Well, good morning, City Lights Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, my name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, I do want to thank you again for being here this morning, for weathering uh, the cold, the snow, the ice, and the negative 27-degree weather. Uh, That's all new to me. If you don't know me, uh, me and my family moved up from New Mexico about four (laughs) months ago. And one of the highs there was 73 this week. So it's a little bit different, but we're, we're okay. We're going to make it through the winter, the winter that everybody has been talking about in Nebraska. But I, I do want to say we, we love it here. We love being a part of this church, this family, and I love being a part of the staff team. It's incredible. And I want to say that I do find incredible joy in the fact that we do take God very seriously. And we take the Bible and preaching his word very seriously. And yet, at the same time, we can have a lot of fun as a family. I mean, just look at this sweater. I mean, I've got cats and hearts and all kinds of stuff. And, and I actually think this is a woman's sweater because, you know, look at this sleeve. So, and you guys, I mean, you guys look great too, but I think I might have the ugliest one. But let's go ahead and open your Bibles um, to First John Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And this, are, this is our final Sunday in Advent. And again, Advent simply means arrival. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this topic of joy. And everyone in here would agree that this is something that we all long for. This is something that we all desire in our lives. I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know what, Phil? I just need a little more fear in my life. I need a little more worry a little more anxiety, a little more sadness, a little more pain. No, nobody says that, right? Why? Because we're longing for something greater. We're longing for joy in our lives. And today the question I want to wrestle with is, how do we actually experience this? How do we actually experience true joy? And look at how our text ends this morning in verse 4. John says, And we are writing these things... So that our joy may be complete. If John is saying that we can have complete joy, that our joy can be made full, then the next question we should naturally ask is, is our joy complete? Is our joy complete? And if it's not, why is it lacking? Why is it not complete? You know, I've been a Christian for, for 14 years. And I have and I do experience incredible joy in knowing Jesus and having a personal relationship with him. But if I'm honest, often I'm lacking in joy. And there are seasons where I I know the truth. I know that God loves me. I know I have a secure relationship with him. I know that my sins are forgiven. And I know that I'm supposed to be filled with joy. And yet often, it's lacking. Can you guys relate? I would say, yeah, all of us can relate to that. But what we're going to learn this morning is that joy uh, is not, it, it's not that we as Christians just walk around with this happy appearance 24-7. You know, the Christian life allows for and honors the reality of our human emotions. We all have emotions. We all have fear and doubt and anger and grief. These are real things. And just read the Psalms and the life of David. And yet, the fundamental, deeply rooted posture of the Christian heart should be one of transcendent joy. And that's what we're going to see this morning in 1 John chapter 1, that true joy isn't just a happy feeling. It is a substantial 
historically rooted life anchoring joy that actually finds its roots in Christmas. And church, this is the joy that I want I long for all of us to experience, to enjoy this joy. Well, let's get into our text. Uh, the first point I want you to write down if you guys have your programs or notes is this: true joy because Christmas is historical. True joy because Christmas is historical. I'm going to reread these verses, and as I do, I want you to pay careful attention to the experiential words that John uses here. See, hear, touch. Listen to these words, because he is very intentional about these words, because they have something to do with our joy that's found in Jesus. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ." And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Did you catch that? Do you see it? That our, our joy is not rooted in some fictional story or some fairy tale, but our joy is rooted and founded in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And in this passage, we see this very clearly, that which was from the beginning. Jesus was with the Father before the foundation of the world. And he became incarnate. The life was made manifest in the flesh. This is the incarnation. And that's what incarnation means. God coming to us in the flesh. The word of life made manifest in the flesh. And John goes to great length so that we know that he was an eyewitness of this incarnation. Again, it's not just some neat made-up story. This is history. And listen, there are, there are so many other religions in the world that are based off myths, human ideas, gods that are impersonal and unable to relate, and some that are literally crafted by human hands. But in Christianity, our God is not like that. He is personal. He stepped out of heaven and came to be with us. And the author John of this epistle, he also wrote the Gospel of John, And he was one of Jesus' closest followers along with Peter and James. He spent time with Jesus, three years, side by side with Jesus. And we all know that it's one thing to hear something with your ears, but it's a completely different thing to see it with your eyes. You know, I'm not a big golfer, but I know that it's not a hole-in-one unless somebody else was there. It's not a hole-in-one unless somebody else is there to verify it. There's no way that anybody would believe you if you went out on your own And got a hole in one. Somebody has to be there to retell that story. To be an eyewitness. And that's exactly what John and the other disciples are to Jesus. John wrote down the very words that Jesus spoke with his mouth. We can see this recorded in the Gospel of John. This idea of having complete joy wasn't something that he just came up with on his own. It's not his idea. He's taking it from the very words of Jesus himself. It's recorded in John chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, 
literally translated, my joy may abide in you and that your joy may be full. And he also says the same statement in chapter 16 and chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. So John certainly heard the words of Jesus. And here in our text this morning, he's saying, listen, not only have we heard him, but we've seen him with our own eyes. We've looked upon him. We have literally touched him with our hands. And he repeats himself several times to make this point. What he's saying is, this is important. Don't miss this. This is verified, proven, confirmed that Jesus is God in the flesh. And he was in the beginning with God the Father, and he is the source of our creation, and he is the source of our joy. Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So City Light, this is where this gets practical. Christianity is not just some therapeutic philosophy to help us get through life with a little less guilt and make us feel better about ourselves. No, no, that's not it at all. The Christian hope of a living God who came to save sinners. This is history. It's factual history. And what this means is that our hope in Jesus isn't just for Sundays and funerals. This becomes our reality every day of the week. It becomes our reality. It becomes the operating system of our lives. And we don't have to live in fear and doubt of the future realities and our present struggles, but we live and live life knowing, knowing that our God loves us enough that he advented here to save us, and he will advent again one day to take us home with him. And this, is, this factual hope gives us a transcendent joy through all the obstacles and all the struggles of this life. So listen, church, I want us to be a church who joyfully celebrates this Christmas because we know what Jesus has done for us. This really happened. This is part of history. The incarnation happened. God came in the flesh, and the church has been joyfully singing about it for the last 2,000 years because of what God has done for us. The next thing I want you to see from our text is that Christmas isn't just historical, it's personal. So that's the second point, true joy, because Christmas is personal. That which was from the beginning didn't only come to earth factually, he did it with a purpose. He did it for you. Look at verse 3 again. Why did Jesus come? So that we could have fellowship with God. So that you could have fellowship with with God. Jesus Christ broke through heaven, stepped into this world as a man, and he came to save us from our sins. And he has an incredible affection for us. He loves you, and he loves me, and we are created in his image, and yet we are all unique. We are all different. We have different bodies, different skin tone, different eye color, different hair, and so on, and each of us has a unique name. And God knew us. He knew our frame before the foundations of the world. What would cause God to offer his own son? To become like one of us, except that he deeply longs for us to experience his joy. He deeply longs for us to experience him in a real, tangible way. To be his children. God has joy over us 
And he sent joy into the world so that we could share in his joy. And as a people, God has commanded that we be a people that is marked by joy. This is God's will for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. I want to give a brief definition of joy. Uh, Simply put, it's gladness of heart in the Lord. Gladness of heart in the Lord. And it's a calling for the Christian. To have complete joy in the Greek literally means to be filled up to the brim, to abound, to flood. It's a fullness of joy. And listen, it's not a joy that's based on emotions or circumstances. And it doesn't mean we always have a big smile on our face. But it's a gift given to us through Jesus Christ. True true joy enters our lives when the joy of Christ enters our lives. It's not our joy. It's his joy through the Holy Spirit. It's a joy that's shared between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it's given to us. And John writes that our joy is complete when our fellowship is with God. See, this was very personal to John, and it should be very personal to us today. Jesus sent out the 72, two by two, and he sent them out to heal the sick, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. And they went out and they came back to him. And they were so excited. They were rejoicing with joy. Because what, had, what God had done in and through them. And they come back to Jesus. And what's interesting is how Jesus responds to them. He doesn't say, high five guys. You guys are awesome. I'm proud of you. Incredible. Good work. No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. Instead he says, I've given you authority and power. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Their names, individual names, are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is personal. What Jesus is saying here is that your joy is not found in the good things that you do for me. Your joy is found in me. Your joy is found in me, a personal relationship with Jesus and the promise of eternal life. And listen, this point is so foundational for us to experience real, lasting joy. It is impossible, impossible for us to experience true joy apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, our joy will never be satisfied or sustained by what the world has to offer. And I'll I'll just put it simply. Know Jesus equals no joy. No Jesus equals no joy. R.C. Sproul, who's a pastor and an author, wrote a little book called Can I Have Joy in My Life? And he talks about this simple acrostic that he learned early on in his Christian life. It's the same illustration that Gavin shared this morning with the kids. And I just want to reiterate this point because I think it's for all of us. And all of us can remember this. It's such an easy idea, easy to understand. And again, it's, it's Jesus, others, and yourself. Jesus, others, and yourself. But when we actually try to live that out, it's far more difficult. And I can tell you why often we're not experiencing joy in our lives. We're trying to spell it backwards, right? Y-O-J. It doesn't work. What we need to do when that happens is rearrange our priorities. And I have to be honest. There are times in my life when I try to force the spelling of this word. I try to force it. I try to spell it backwards. I try to rearrange the letters. And it's in those moments when I put myself first, my desire, my desire to be in control, that I I miss out 
on the joy that God intended for me to experience in Jesus. And so often I find myself just reminding, I have to remind myself of this simple truth. And I have to ask myself, you know, why am I acting like this? Why am I bitter? Why am I angry? And often I'm in a moment where I'm just caring about myself. I've elevated my desires and my wants above Jesus and others. Just recently, we were going to a party, and uh, things happen when you have four kids. You know, you guys with families with young kids know what I'm talking about, and we were running late, and my wife says I'm an overly punctual person, which is probably true, and so it, it really gets me going when, the, when we're late, and it just does, you know? And so I look, I look how I responded, though, to this situation. You know, and how I raised my voice with my kids, how it was short with my wife, and how I blamed everyone else for the situation and why we were late. I realized that I only put myself above the situation. Why did I want to be on time? It was control. I wanted control of the situation. I wanted the approval of others. I wanted to show up with my family of six and for people to say, wow, they've got their stuff together. When reality is, we don't. You know, and I lost joy for a few hours because I spelled joy backwards. And I didn't get joy back until I confessed my sin to God and to my wife and to my kids and again put Jesus in the proper place where he belongs in my life. And I would ask the same question to you this morning. How do you spell joy? Does it start with Jesus? Or is your life centered on yourself and others? And see, there are things in this life that will provide you with temporary joy and happiness as you pursue your own desires and others, right? It, it feels good. It feels good when we get a bunch of likes on Facebook. It feels good when we, when we are appreciated, when we succeed, when we win the competition, or we feel like we're better than another. But listen, though, all these things, the things that the world offers, they're fleeting and they're fading. But Jesus, who is from the beginning, who is the source of of life and the source of our joy, he is eternal and he will never fade away. And so to experience true joy, we have to seek Jesus first, to seek our joy in him. We don't look to ourselves. We don't look to others. We don't look to what we can accomplish, but we look to what Jesus has accomplished for us. He left heaven and he came to, he came to you and he came to me. How can that not produce joy in our lives? It's an incredible act of love. And then we look to others. We look to others not to receive and take, but to give. And to model the gospel that we see in Jesus to others. And it's when we put others' needs above our own, that's when we get more joy. And that leads to the final point, is this. True joy, because Christmas is communal. True joy because Christmas is communal. So not only did John hear and see Jesus, but he entered into a personal relationship with him. He entered into fellowship with God, and then he extends that invitation to others. Look at verse 3 and 4 again. It says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you, may too, you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. 
So do you notice the progression here? John has seen, he's walked with, he's touched, he's observed Jesus, he's entered into a personal relationship with him, and he's confirmed that he is God and he is the Savior of the world. But what does John do? He doesn't just sit on that message. No, he proclaims it. He proclaims the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, that he came to die for the sinner so that we could be reconciled back to God. And the result of the gospel is fellowship, which means relationship. It means relationships with God and relationship with others. John shared the gospel, and people received it, and they entered into a relationship with God and relationship with others. And then it says, our joy, our joy would be made complete. John doesn't say, my joy is made complete. He says, our joy. This isn't talking about one individual's joy. It's talking about a community that is filled with joy. And this is still true today. I mean, just look around the room. It's filled with people who are singing joyfully to Jesus. And yes, we have weird sweaters on. You know? And none of us have it figured out. None of us are perfect, and yet... Our joy is in Jesus. Why? Why do we have relationships with each other? Our commonality is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came to save sinners. Not only did he come just to impact people, but he came to build a community. He came to build his church. And what John is showing us is that our joy is made complete when we celebrate and we share this incredible news with other people. And it seems from the text that John's joy is actually, it was lacking before he shared this news with others, before they experienced it. And so when we experience the gospel personally, what does it do for us? It drives us into community. It pushes us into community and to proclaim this good news to others. And listen, City Light, this is why, this is what we want to be all about. And that's why we talk about city groups so much. And our hope is that every single one of you in this room would be connected to one. If you're not already, to get connected to a smaller group, a smaller group of community where you can experience real joy. See, we gather here on Sunday morning, but we, gather, we scatter throughout the week, all over the city, all throughout the week to meet in city groups. And one of the joys that I get to experience in my city group, something that we started doing, is just simply going to the children's hospital to serve the families that are living at the Ronald McDonald House. We simply provide a meal. We eat across from them. We share a table. We get to know them. We encourage and pray for them. And it's something we started doing once a month. And this is just one of the joys of serving together in a city group, along with many of the other joys that we can experience in community. There's joy in singing songs together. There's joy in praying together. There's joy in opening up the word of God. There's joy in confessing sin And being freed from guilt. And there's joy in sharing a meal together. But all of this joy is shared in fellowship with God. With God. It's all centered on him. And if it's not, it's all for naught. And true joy is lost. And church, I want everybody to experience this type of joy. The joy of living on mission. The joy of doing life together in community. We can't just be a people who pursue joy on our own. We're missing out. God has given us this incredible gift called the church. And if we're just sitting in seats on Sunday morning, we're leaving joy on the table. And I want you to experience 
the fullness of joy in your life. I want everyone in here to experience the fullness of joy that God offers us in real gospel fellowship. You know, as a father of four daughters, one of my greatest joys is to see them come to know Jesus, to enter into a personal relationship with him. Last month, I had the, the privilege to baptize my oldest daughter, Sadie. And it's, you know, what a moment as a dad to be able to do that. To see her pass from death into life, step from darkness into light, and really experience joy in the Lord and know that she has the promise of eternal life, that she is forgiven. And just this last week, my seven-year-old Anna, she was just drawing at home. She had a pen and a piece of paper, no instruction. And I just wanted to share this with you guys. Um, if you guys, if you want to put that up on the screen. So she did this drawing this week. And you can see up on the, on the top on the right, there's baby Jesus. And then on the left, there's the cross. And in the middle, there's the open tomb. And then what she wrote is this. God died for our sins. God is so good. And I can tell you, that this drawing is a treasure for me. And it brought so much joy to my heart this week to see her start to understand what God did for us. To her declare that God died for our sins. God is so good. That's incredible. In closing, City Light, I want to remind us that true joy, we have true joy because Christmas is historical, it's personal, and it's communal. And listen, some of you came in here this morning with very few drops of joy in your life. And I would just ask you before we take communion and have the next song that you just go before God. Go before God. Ask God to fill you with his joy, to put him once again in the proper place in your life. Secondly, there are some people in this room that have never experienced the type of joy that I'm talking about. And maybe, maybe you have a knowledge of it, but you've never experienced it personally. Or maybe you've just searched for joy in all the wrong places, and you realize that it's not working for you. And maybe that's you this morning. And you need to take that first step toward Jesus and trust him as your Lord and Savior. To acknowledge that you're a sinner, but God came, to, came for you to rescue you so that you could experience his joy. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond in faith, to trust him, to take that step toward him, to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we do thank you for the incredible joy that you give through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the fact that we can know you in a real, personal way, the fact that you really did come, God in the flesh, and we can be assured of that, and we can be assured of the hope that we have in you and the joy that you provide, and the fullness of joy of just being in your presence and knowing you. What an incredible gift that you have given us. God, I just pray for everyone in the room who, is, who does follow you, who does declare that you are Lord of their life, and yet their joy is lacking. I pray, God, that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit. That you would fill us with the fullness of your joy to experience you in a new way today. That we would experience the fullness of joy, complete joy in you, Jesus. 
And as we continue to pray with every head bowed, eyes closed, I just want to address those people in the room. That maybe for the first time that you would take that step toward Jesus, you've never experienced this joy in your life, you've never experienced a personal relationship with God. Or maybe you've been running from him, but God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond, to pray this prayer. Listen, God as, is not concerned as concerned with your words as he is with your heart, the attitude of your heart. But if that's you today, would you simply pray this prayer after me in your heart? Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the joy that he brings. I confess and I'm a sinner in need of you. Come into my life today. Today I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I praise you for the eternal life that you give, for the forgiveness of sins, and the fullness of joy that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen.